Hi, I'm Kent from Philadelphia. The Sound of Young America is an independent production supported by listeners like you and me. If you'd like to donate to support the show, visit MaximumFun.org and click on Donate. Live on tape from my house in Los Angeles, I'm Jesse Thorne, and this is The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org. Radio This week on The Sound of Young America, we're hearing material recorded live on stage at the San Francisco Sketch Fest in January. On this podcast, my guest is California State Assemblyman Tom Amiano. Let's go to the stage of Cobb's Comedy Club. Gosh, you know, I said this was a, this is a real San Francisco show. Uh, my next guest is a real San Francisco institution. He was a public school teacher here for many, many years before running for school board, becoming the president of the school board then running for city supervisor, becoming the president of the Board of Supervisors and serving nearly 15 years in the Board of Supervisors. Now he's taken it up one further notch to state government. He's now a state assembly member. And also, through all of this, a professional stand-up comedian. And uh, when I was in high school, sometimes he would ride the same bus as me. Uh, Please welcome Tom Amiano. It was the 26. 26 Valencia. I I remember the 26. People said, uh, take the 26. It's safer than the 14 mission. So I took it, and there was a stabbing. (laughs) And we all got off the bus, and the cops came, and I said, oh, officer, you know, my name is Tom Amiano. I'm the board of supervisors. And he goes, yeah, 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 yeah. He didn't care at all. So that's my 26 memory. It also doesn't. It doesn't come enough. That's the. That's the real. Well, yes. Well, there's uh, that could be said about. A, you're a no lot longer of in charge of that. That's no yeah. longer your purview. Um, you're another guy who came to San Francisco. Um, when you came to San Francisco from the East Coast, where you grew up and went to college, um, what were you looking for? What, what did you want? Well, a, a boyfriends mostly. You know, I. <laughs> I grew up in the 50s, and when I, I left uh, uh, New Jersey uh, in the early, in, and actually in 1960, I took a Greyhound bus from Newark, New Jersey. It cost uh, 40 bucks, and the bus broke down in uh, Iowa and uh, uh, because of a, a heat wave or something. And I'm walking around Iowa, and, I, and there was this nice farm couple, and they offered me water, and we had a nice conversation. And then they asked me what, uh, what, what, st- uh, what country I was from. <laughs> so <laughs> I said, well, New Jersey. <clears throat> no, actually, you know, I, 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 I grew up in New Jersey <laughs> wanting, wanting to leave. And a, a lot of it had to do with all my... my my gay stuff. A lot of people, you know, they discovered they're gay a little later in life. You know, uh, me, I was gay in utero. And, <laughs> and, and New, Jersey, New Jersey was not user-friendly. My family was lovely. I love my family, but, you know, it was not a user-friendly place. And I had read somewhere a whisper of San Francisco and gay, and that, that whisper was enough to get me on that Greyhound bus. You went to graduate school in San Francisco State, right? San Francisco State. It was a very, very dreary place. You know, I got in, I got introduced 
I got introduced to Gray. But remember, this is... <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, your state assembly member. <laughs> well, you know, you got to remember it was in the 60s. It was boring. It really was boring. And, you know, there were... I, I mean, uh, the, the student population... And, you know, I, I have these friends in the African-American uh, a queer group called uh, Pomo Afro Homos. And they... And they and they have a line, ooh, it's snowed in here. And that's what <laughs> San Francisco State, I, I kid you not, had fraternities and sororities. You know, and, and they had a thing called the Redwood Room. And if you weren't in a frat or a sorority, then you couldn't gain, gain admittance. I mean, that was, that's what I mean about state in those days. Uh, a lot of changes since then. And then, you know, uh, the whole uh, Sesu Hayakawa and... And, and the campus revolts. Now, that, 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 them, that was smoking. That was good. <laughs> but I, I, unfortunately, I missed that part. I was, I was in Vietnam. When you first came to San Francisco, did it match up to your ideas of what it was going to be when you were you know, down in Park Merced? You know, yes. First of all, it was, anything that wasn't New Jersey was good. Um, I didn't get the weather, and I complained a lot about that, especially those... Um, the flats that have the toilet separate from the from the rest of the bathroom and, and how cold that toilet seat was. I always <laughs> vowed I always vowed that I would uh, eventually live in a place with a warm toilet, and that probably accounts to my opposition to PG&E all these years. Uh, but but the uh, uh, the the difference of San Francisco, and, and you know there is a culture, a northeastern culture compared to. And um, the parochialism of San Francisco in the 60s, you know, intrigued me and pissed me off. Um, and then the, uh, in, in what we call the incipient gay scene, you know, was something I really wanted to connect to. The first time I went to a gay bar was a bar called the Missouri Mule on Market Street. And I walked in there and I was so terrified. I couldn't even, I couldn't even order a drink. But the... The point was, I was there, and there was there were other gay people there, and they were, you know, engaged in the in in conversation and the cruising, and and, and I, I just kind of felt that, you know, I'm home now, you know. Harvey Milk, uh, you know, came along a, a little bit later, you know, more towards the 70s, and uh, I always think uh, that the juxtaposition of his emergence, you know, with what else was happening in San Francisco was almost a magical thing because, you know, everything here was um, uh, civil disobedience, the women's movement, the, uh, uh, the civil rights movement, a lot of anti-war stuff, and, and the gay stuff was kind of percolating along, and, you know, it really just needed a focal point, needed someone to say something for him, and Harvey Milk did that. So I always feel very fortunate, you know, that I was there right around that time, you know, like to witness it. When you said that you um, that you went to Vietnam, you actually taught English in, in Vietnam. I taught English in Vietnam, and, you know, it, it's, it's interesting because uh, now I'm in the assembly and um, uh, there are Republicans. Uh, it's interesting <laughs> to talk to them. And uh, you, Now you're saying in contrast to the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. Yes, yes. <laughs> That you know that you know that it's, it's kind of like comparing the Stepford Rise to the Wax Museum. You know, there's a new one. There's a nuance there. But in talking to Republicans, you know, they'll say, "Well, where are you living?" And I'll say, "Oh, I, I'm living with a nice Mormon family." They they don't get it. And <laughs> and it, in Vietnam, when I would meet you know military uh, people, because I, I wasn't in the military, they said, "Oh, what are you doing here?" And I would say, "Well, I'm the Avon representative." And <laughs> 
And they didn't get it. They thought, well, that, you know, God, American entrepreneurism, you know, it's wonderful. So, <laughs> yes, it's called uh, International Voluntary Services, IVS. The Peace Corps, that, the, our domestic Peace Corps was based on this model. It was Quaker originated. They took people from different parts of the world, not just Americans, and they went and did uh, kind of nice social justice things in different countries. They taught school or they did uh, community development. And uh, I signed up for that in uh, 1966, and I was, I was there for two years. Uh, you know, during the war, kind of like uh, alternative reality to the war. I mean, I wasn't in the military, but the war took over everything. There was nothing that the war didn't influence. And, uh, man, I learned a lot. You know, I was this little white boy from New Jersey, and I thought, you know, that I, uh, I had street cred, but I didn't know anything until I went to Vietnam. You know, the, the class issues, you know, there, you know, I, I have 16 years of Catholic school. It's maybe the man I am today. And, <clears throat> And, and in Vietnam, the Catholic Church was very uh, high church. You know, it was uh, only for people who were Vietnamese who were wealthy and, and influenced by the French. And they were, they were hawks. You know, they were very, very warlike. And then the kids that I taught, uh, you know, out in the boonies, et cetera, and so forth, you know, they, they weren't, they didn't have that kind of privilege. Uh, but they had a real goodness about them that I liked. So, you know, in a sense, the Vietnam War was a civil war. And I tried to do my best. You know, I, I would have classes of 60 kids and try to teach them English. And as a result, they all speak uh, English with a New Jersey accent. Right? There. <laughs> this is a dog. This is a dog. <laughs> but you know, I was only 22. So, um, what did you teach in San Francisco when you came back? Uh, mostly special ed. You know, I have a I, I have a soft spot for that, and uh, I worked. Uh, uh, in New York and then here in, San, in, uh, the, in the Bay Area, uh, camps for the disabled. You know, I was uh, uh, during the summer, and that, and that kind of, uh, uh, you know, focused me on maybe a career, I thought at the time was, you know, I, wor- I worked at something called Camp Easter Seal. It was in Cupertino off Stevens Creek Canyon Road in New Jersey. I'd look at the acceptance letter that I got the job. I go, Stevens Creek Canyon Road, so romantic. <laughs> Stevens Creek Canyon Road, lions and tigers. You know, it was it, it was more the liberation thing. I'm getting out of New Jersey, folks. Ah, this is great. I have employment. And uh, are you saying that to you, Stevens Creek Canyon Road sounded gay? And you that's everything. <laughs> Everything sounds gay to me. Arnold fucking Schwarzenegger sounds gay. <laughs> Who's a bigger queen than Jello Biafra? Jesus Christ! We'll be back in just a minute with more from our live show in San Francisco on The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org and PRI Public Radio International. Production of The Sound of Young America is supported in part by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered. Online at ask.metafilter.com. As anyone who's ever attended a liberal arts university can tell you, the most pressing problem in the world is a lack of awareness. And the most important thing you can do to change the world is to engage in awareness raising. 
That's why we've created the Darkish Teal Ribbon for Maximum Fun Awareness. Display this powerful symbol on your lapel or on your MySpace page in a forum signature in the sidebar of your blog or on the bumper of your car, and you'll be taking a stand against ignorance. Specifically, ignoranceofmaximumfun.org. Visit our blog at MaximumFun.org slash blog and click on the Darkish Teal Ribbon in the sidebar. You'll be led to a wide variety of Darkish Teal Ribbon options to help you raise awareness in all your digital endeavors. If you want to raise awareness in the real world, you can get your own Darkish Teal Ribbon by sending a self-addressed stamped envelope to Darkish Teal Ribbon, 720 South Normandy Avenue, number 512, Los Angeles, California, 9005. You'll also find that address on the About page of our website. Or create your own darkish teal ribbon in any medium you desire. Try creating a giant papier-mâché head, like the Ralph Nader head that haunted my nightmares from late 1999 to mid-2001. We've got a post on the forum to chronicle your best efforts, and we're giving out periodic, completely random prizes for those doing a particularly impressive job. Remember, ignorance may be bliss, but awareness raising is whatever is one better than bliss. Today is the day to display the darkish teal ribbon for MaximumFun.org awareness. It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is California State Assemblyman, gay activist, and stand-up comedian Tom Amiano. You alluded earlier to um, Harvey Milk and the way that politics in San Francisco changed over the course of the 70s, and you yourself got directly involved in politics in the, in the mid to the late 70s. Here in California, there's um, uh, ballot propositions that can change the state laws based on a popular vote. Yeah. Um, and there was one that would have uh, banned homosexuals from teaching in public schools. God damn it, that's right! No, money. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, it is correct that that was something that... Yes. You know, the irony of irony is, you know, God love us in San Francisco. We're dysfunctional as hell, and, and, and we just do have genius. And, and so here in San Francisco, we formed something, a couple of us, the Gay Teachers Coalition in, in the 70s, and Harvey Milk was very, very supportive of us. Uh, the establishment gays, there was about five of them, and guess who they worked for? Diane Feinstein. Thank you, Jello. Uh, oh, no, 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 you know, you can't do gay teacher issues, you know, that whole thing with kids and everything like that. So, you know, enough is enough. Um, you'll see some of this in the Harvey Milk movie, too, the uh, establishment gay saying, oh, no, no, don't, don't mention the word gay, you know, God forbid. But I am gay, I know, but don't say you are. Well, how won't they know, darling? Uh, <clears throat> So we got that protection in San Francisco, and I think there's a lesson here uh, relating to Prop 8. So we got protection for gay teachers here in San Francisco. So, okay, that's over. La, 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 la. Then comes Prop 6, the anti-gay teacher initiative outside of San Francisco. So we had to start all over again. And I think the difference between... um, uh, what happened in Prop 8 and, and Prop 6 was, Prop 6 was edgier. Uh, you know, there wasn't, uh, I always say take the ass out of assimilation, you know. Uh, people were not feeling that secure, so therefore, you know, more dis- uh, uh, defensive and, 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 and all the antennas were up. And then there was a bifurcated campaign. There was an establishment kind of response to it, 
And it was definitely don't have Tom Amiano say that he's a gay teacher, you know, on TV because he's too Nelly, he's too this, he's too that. I know you're shocked by that, but by, <laughs> and so and it. You kind of strike me as kind of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes, yes. And then there was like a grassroots campaign. And I think combination of all that, you know, probably won it for, for Prop 6. Plus there were debates. You didn't see any debates about eight. So it was Harvey Milk and, and Sally Gerhardt against this guy Briggs, etc. And I think so people could like, you know, formulate it and kind of get the social justice aspect of it, the unfairness of it. And Harvey personalized it. And so did Sally Gerhardt, who was a woman who always debated with him. And, uh, you know, I think that that uh, kind of humanized the issue, and I think that contributed as well. You uh, were elected to the school board, correct me if I'm wrong, in 1990. Is that right? I'm, yeah. Okay, great. I ran three times. Yeah, three, <clears throat> but third time's the charm. The third time's the charm, and uh, I ran in 1979 because, you know, Milk and uh, Moscone had been murdered, and I, I had had a conversation with Milk right before that, you know, we were involved in something called Bagel, Bay Area Gay Liberation, and we did a lot of uh, civil disobedience, and, you know, it was, it was an amazing age, actually. You know, uh, people were young, you could teach full-time, you could be active politically, and then go to, I'm sorry, Jello, go to the disco after that. <laughs> and then wake up, and, and wake up refreshed, you know. So Bagel... Bagel was very, very left, you know, those tight Trotsky butts and those broad Stalinistic shoulders I love. (laughs) We we would picket other, you know, gay establishments because they discriminated against women and against African Americans. And uh, um, all that, you know, kind of led to uh, this conversation with Harvey. And I said, Harvey, why do you want to run for office? You know, know, everybody's a sellout who's in the elected office. And he said, well, you know, I I really, you know, I'm with you on what you do, and I'm there. And Harvey did participate in a lot of, you know, picketing and stuff. But I want to do this, too, because I think elected, you know, the two together could work. And I said, well, I get it, but you know what? I will never, ever run for office. Never. So, <laughs> let the record show that you did some very right. specific finger wagging. Right. I wanted the Senate seat from Illinois, but it so <clears throat> wasn't available. So I did. I I ran and and got beaten up terribly, and 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 gay clubs said, "Oh, I don't know, you know, he's awfully gay." Well, I thought I think I thought that was the point. <laughs> so in 1988, you know, I I I ran again. The second time, and it was a kind of a jello thing, but it didn't really reach his level because that there's nothing. Uh, <laughs> it's so noble. I ran again uh, uh, just to make a point. I ran, you know, and also, frankly, I was doing stand-up comedy. I thought it would be helpful, and so um, I I dressed up as Pee Wee Herman once during the campaign, <laughs> and I had a friend called Miss, you know, Miss Yvonne. We raised money for the library, but I got a, a, a hell of a lot of votes. And so people said, you know, you should get you should get very serious about this. And so the next time I ran, uh, I, we came in number one in the school board. It was called a lavender sweep. Was it scary to was it scary to make that transition from doing something where you can always say this is just a theatrical demonstration of my idea to to something where you're really running to be part of the government. It, you know, it gave me pause, but but so did doing stand-up comedy and <clears throat> so did, uh, you know, teaching elementary school. You know, it, there's always that, oh, my God, what have I gotten myself into? But somehow, 
uh, you know, it's 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 either intuition or drive or uh, wh- whatever the dynamic is. Then then eventually it works out. So then eventually you feel well, this was the right thing. It's not really all about me being uncomfortable. It's about I think what Jella was talking about. You know, getting a message out. You know. So that that, it, that felt reassuring. When you uh, joined the school board and eventually the board of supervisors, was it what you expected? Was it what you had imagined from the outside? Um, yes and no. You know, there um, there was some familiarity because I'd been on the school board, so you knew kind of about government, and you knew. I mean, we, we uh, um, you know, I introduced the idea of uh, condoms in the school at that time because the AIDS crisis was really happening. And uh, um, the Christian uh, net, network came to the school board. The meeting went on till 3 a.m. about should we have condoms in the school or not. And, you know, we won. And the Christian, so this lady with like a beehive, not Amy, I wish, you know, with the beehive came up and goes, could you tell me where the homosexual school board member is? So I pointed, <laughs> I pointed to Dan Kelly, who was a friend of mine. He's a, he's a pediatrician and has five kids, you know. And I said, oh, it's Dr. Kelly. And so... They went over and he played along with it, and then we watched the tape. And on the on the Christian network, he was like, "There's like Dr. Dan Kelly, and he's talking to underneath he goes homosexual school, school board school board member." So those kind of things did did prepare me. But you know, it, it, um, even when you were a, a legitimate politician on the board of supervisors, president of the board of supervisors twice, you were still doing stand-up comedy. Um, and, you know, you're very important, especially to the uh, queer stand-up comedy community in the Bay Area. Uh, you know, one of the, uh, I've heard you refer to as the mother of the uh, queer stand-up community in the Bay. Um, were you ever, did you ever think like, oh, maybe I should stop uh, doing comedy and uh, acting silly because it's yeah. my job to be really serious? I really, you know... It might cross your mind, and other people might judge you that way. I had a terrible uh, set of um, of uh, newspaper articles when I got elected to the school board uh, from a particularly very virulent serpentine reporter from the Chronicle about how inappropriate I was because I was doing stand-up comedy at the same time I was on the school board, you know, forgetting the fact that I, you know, what was a teacher, et cetera, and so forth, and, and knew the issues. And also, it was a veiled homophobic thing. Oh, pardon me for being paranoid. Ah, but, you know, having a queen on the school board, that was quite a challenge in San Francisco. Even. And so she would follow me to comedy gigs. And then she would write about, and then she would tell the jokes that were somewhat off-color or use the word dick or God knows what the hell these Puritans... And as, as it... <laughs> As an indictment that I was inappropriate for the school board, but you know the the, the jury that judged me wasn't the Chronicle in this in, in this particular uh, you know uh, it was a woman by the way I made a joke when I saw her in the audience uh, that I was uh, just went to the bathroom at the urinal and that she was there right next to me taking notes. Uh, you know it it, it 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 eventually works it, it eventually works in your favor because you know you know you keep schools open you do whatever the trip is that parents and teachers like and so then they like you and they'd say forget about him being gay or whatever you know he works hard or who it's not just me it's other people as well you've been a san franciscan for a really long time this is a san francisco show and you know you were not only my supervisor growing up but like just a guy that you saw around as as i said in your introduction you know riding the 26 when i took the 26 to high school 
Um, and, and I thought it, it would be nice to ask, like, if you had to pick one great thing about San Francisco, for all of our listeners out there who aren't San Franciscans, what would it be? Opportunity. What there's do you mean opportunity. by that? Well, there's opportunities here for, for anyone in, in almost any respect that perhaps would not have opened up in, uh, you know, Newark, New Jersey. It's accepting, but you have to fight for the acceptance. And, uh, and there you go, if you can afford the rent. And I did come, you know, I did come when, you know, uh, it was easier. You know, things, things were easier. I have a friend from New York who said, I moved to San Francisco and, uh, uh, to come out of the closet. And now I'm living in one and paying $3,000. <laughs> so, thank you. Anyway, opportunity. Not opportunity. Not being opportunist, but having opportunity. Well, Tom, thank you so much for taking the time yeah, to be on the show. You. It was really, really fun to have you. Tom Amiano is a former public school teacher and stand-up comedian. He represents San Francisco in California's State Assembly. Another Sound of Young America program. I have been your host, Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. The show produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our theme music written and performed by Dan Grayson with help from myself. Interstitial music provided by Dan Wally. The show edited by Nick White, our intern, Brian Fernandez. You can find us online at MaximumFun.org. I hope you do so. If you're just a podcast listener that never visits the website, you should know there's a lot of shit on the website besides just the podcast. Of course, if you have thoughts about the show, you can always email me. My email address is jesse, J-E-S-S-E, at MaximumFun.org. So I guess that's about it. We'll see you next time right here on The Sound of Young America. <laughs>